first, foremost, of most importance, do we have any children in the house? Okay. You're very quiet and polite and well, silently spoken. Uh, if you are here and you are not an adult, now would be the opportunity to go on down this hall over here and uh, have kids world with Miss Rhonda and Miss Terry. Uh, if Miss Terry is still working her way down the hall, please don't bum rush her because that would be terrible. All right. Now that the little ones are out of the room, we can talk about ugly, terrible, horrible things. Which they are in the Bible, but that's not actually what we're doing this morning. This morning we are continuing our series on the Holy Spirit. Because, as I pointed out last week, the Holy Spirit is... I, I don't want to give the impression that, you know, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are different things. They are all one. They are each a person. They are each God, and they are God together. But the Holy Spirit is the, the inter, interaction, the, the intercessory, the one we interact with directly in this time and place. Uh, the Father was... Uh, at, at work in the Old Testament with the other two. He was the primary mover and shaker. Then for 30 years, you had Jesus. And there was a very small collection of people that actually interacted with Jesus. And from Jesus on till now, till the end, it will be human beings interacting with and through the Holy Spirit. And for that reason, it's important to know what it is the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer. Uh, the first week... Uh, we talked about how the Holy Spirit comforts us. Uh, last week, I shared how the Holy Spirit confirms our, uh, our adoption into the family of God and what that means to us. Today, I want to speak to us about how the Holy Spirit calls to mind. How the Holy, Holy Spirit calls to mind. See, what happens if, if your intent on doing a multi-part series and using the same letter for your major point, you have to get creative in how you phrase things. So today we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit calls to mind, or what we might normally say is how the Holy Spirit reminds us. And there's much for the Holy Spirit to remind us of. Starting out, John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus tells us, 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. All right, so there's two parts there. First, he will teach you all things. Uh, we see repeatedly throughout the course of Jesus' ministry that he would teach things that left people just going, I recognize the words you said, but I don't know what they mean. And oftentimes, particularly in the parables, Jesus was sharing in a way that was intended that only those who had embraced the wisdom and the understanding of the kingdom could understand what was being said. Those who were still of a mind of worldly mindset would just be left with these farmers and seeds and rocky ground. I don't know what it means. 
And even the disciples from time to time were like, you know, they sat there, Jesus taught publicly, and they sat there and they went, And then they got like back, they, you know, got back to wherever they were hanging out. And they're like, Jesus, we had no idea what you were talking about. Can you explain again real slow? And I imagine like 90% of Jesus' ministry was just this number right here. Just, oh, over. So we know that. The Holy Spirit teaches us. Oftentimes, we will receive the word, and if we are not of the mindset of the kingdom, we will not understand. And it is receiving that word through the Holy Spirit that we are brought to understanding. We can receive the truth and the wisdom of the kingdom because we have accepted the truth and wisdom of the kingdom. And so, words that are lost on the world come to us through the Holy Spirit, and we accept the truth of them. And then it says the Holy Spirit will remind us. There will come moments down the road where things you learn, things you learned in, in a message like this, maybe things you learned through the singing. Uh, we try to ensure that the, the songs that we choose to sing are theologically solid songs. So, you know, when we're singing the songs, we're not just singing some really cool music. We're singing songs that reinforce, that teach the reality of the kingdom and solid theological truths. And so somewhere down the road, you may be in a moment where the Holy Spirit will bring to mind something you learned in the message, something that, that a refrain from a song we sung. There may be moments where the Holy Spirit will bring to mind a word shared by somebody in conversation. This is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit reminds us and brings to mind that Word of God we need at just the time we need it. And that confirms in those moments you're not alone. When you're in a dark place, when you're in a place of doubt and confusion, and you get that Word out of nowhere, you weren't seeking it, you weren't looking for it, and it just, boom, it was there. That's confirmation that God is with you, and He's looking after you. He's interacted in the moment. But let's look a little bit at how the Holy Spirit reminds us. And this will go back. I, I, a lot of this touches on uh, what I shared at the beginning of our book of Acts when I told you how, you know, our entire encounters with other people are directed by the Holy Spirit. And so this will, this will sort of echo some of that. But if we could look back at Matthew, chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's assuring them. He's assuring us. These words are for us, assuring as they were for them. He's assuring us there will come time when persecution will come. I don't know what that looks like. Assuredly, in our day and age, Persecution does not look the same as what it looked like for the beginning of the Holy Church. Relative, pretty certain, in our lifetimes-ish, maybe, we will not reach a point where people will come and break into your home and drag you out into the street and insist you renounce Jesus Christ or they're going to cut off your head. 
or they're going to set you on fire, or heard this, you know what, if nothing else, this made going back to higher education worth it. There was an early martyr of the church. Actually, she wasn't martyred because she lived through everything. Uh, they were trying to get this woman to renounce, and they, or maybe it was a woman or a guy, trying to get him to renounce. They went through all this stuff. They went as far as throwing this person into a pool of killer seals. Killer seals. I didn't even know killer seals were a thing. I don't know how that looks. How does a seal kill you? I mean, it just entertains you to death? It just shoots you to death? I don't know. Killer seals. I'm on a tangent. Whatever persecution looks like, it will probably not come to that point for us, but there may be points when your faith is ridiculed, your faith is belittled, your faith, you're told that in this particular context, in this particular place, sharing your faith is not appropriate. Jesus tells them, just as surely as for the disciples, it will come for us. And he tells us, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Okay, so that absolutely applies to persecution. That absolutely applies to instances where your faith, your witness is not welcome. But that just as assuredly is true of those moments when God is calling you to that moment of witness. If you are a Christ follower, you should be living life in such a way that there will be people around you who are lost, who are citizens of this world, and God will call you to a moment to share your faith. Not just to live it out, not just to share the goodness of God through kindness and kind actions, but to actually put words to your faith. Increasingly, this is a skill the church is losing. And that is why you are finding, increasingly, the prominence of Christianity in this country is diminishing. Because we're not bringing in new blood into the kingdom. Because we're afraid to share, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. What if they think I'm a weirdo? What if? What if you don't share your testimony and they go to hell for all eternity? I mean, it's harsh, but what if? But see, when you think of it in those terms, you're thinking, I don't know what to say. I will be awkward. I this, I that. What Jesus just told us is when there comes a moment for you to share your faith, the Holy Spirit will be there and will give you the words to say. If you are living a life focused on you, sharing your testimony can be a very scary thing. If you are living a life of the Holy Spirit, you realize that when that moment comes, it's not really you. You are merely a conduit. You are a speaker. You are a mouthpiece for somebody else, somebody bigger and wiser more knowledgeable and more powerful 
who is actually being mistaken. And that can be a very empowering thing. When you begin to live in the recognition that you are merely a tool. And I don't want to say merely to diminish your personhood, but we are tools, we are servants, we are ambassadors of God's kingdom, and we are just about doing His business. And when we run into those situations and it seems weird, you're like, does that seem weird? I don't know. Take it up with my boss. But we have concrete examples of this. Um, yeah. Acts chapter 2 may be familiar. We just went through it like weeks ago. The day of Pentecost comes. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, huh, imagine that, comes down on the beginnings of the church, like 120 people hanging out together, trying to figure out what to do. Jesus went away. He said the Holy Spirit would come. They're fasting. They're praying. They're waiting for something. And the Holy Spirit descends on them. They go out into the streets and the byways, and they start sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in languages of the people around them. In this moment, it says they're sharing in tongues. That doesn't mean some weird heaven language. It means they are sharing in the languages of the people who are just inundating Jerusalem right now. And they're sharing it, not being native speakers of it. But everybody around them is hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then Peter comes to the point, Peter stands up, and he starts to preach. And from, from Acts chapter 2, from verses 14 to 41, Peter shares this expansive message, specifically to the Jews inhabiting Jerusalem at the time, and he shares the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news they weren't willing to accept during the life of Jesus, but now, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it says in that moment, at the end of that message, some 3,000 people will come to accept the good news of Jesus Christ. They will accept the gospel. But in the course of that message, Jesus, uh, Peter, will share with them in, in verses 17 through 21, he paraphrases, he pretty close, closely comes to Joel chapter 2, verses uh, 28 through 32. In verses 25 through 28, he shares with them Psalm 16, 8 through 11. And in chapters 30, uh, verses 34 and 35, he reframes Psalm 110, verse 1. In that moment, as he's sharing this message, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he is having brought to his mind not merely the grand scheme, the grand scope of all that Jesus taught him for three years, but pieces, large passages of Old Testament Scripture are being prompted into his mind to share with this crowd by the Holy Spirit. He is being brought to remembrance. The Holy Spirit is calling to mind the words of Jesus and the teachings of the Old Testament. So that as he speaks, in this moment, if you look at what he says, nothing Peter shares is from Peter. Peter's entire message that begins the church, that calls 3,000 people to Jesus Christ, 
after his death and resurrection and ascension, Peter is sharing a message that is based solely on what the Holy Spirit brings to his mind. At no point does Peter go, you know, what I think is, or I tend to, or I like to, or I imagine, everything Peter shares is what the Holy Spirit has brought to mind. And just as assuredly, you can be 100% certain in that moment, if the Holy Spirit is calling you to share a word with somebody else, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to share. And it might seem awkward, it might seem weird, and that fear you feel in that moment, that is the devil, just straight up. I mean, just as a fact, fear is from the devil. It is counter to what God wants. It is counter to the hope and the peace and the certainty that the Holy Spirit brings. So fear is from the devil. But in that particular moment, the devil's going, here's a moment where Jesus might take one of mine. And I am afraid, so I'm going to make them afraid. So maybe they won't. The Holy Spirit is with you. And will tell you, will bring to mind just what to say. We see a similar story. Which again, from Acts, the story of Philip and the eunuch. God sends Philip out into nowhere. I mean, literally, Philip is out in the middle of the desert at a crossroad where nothing is going on. Nothing is happening. There's no settlements. There's no habitation. It's just, it's a crossroads. It's where people go through to get to somewhere else. God says through the Holy Spirit, Philip, I want you to go to this place. Philip's like, okay. And you know, that's a, that's a huge difference. But sometimes I think we overlook just how willing and faithful and obedient these people were. The Holy Spirit said, I want you to X. And they went and did X. There was no conversation. There was no looking for explanation. There was Holy Spirit said, the followers did. Imagine what would happen if we became those kind of followers of Him. We didn't argue with the Holy Spirit, we just went. But Philip's out in the middle of nowhere. All of a sudden, this carriage starts rolling by. There's a guy, there's an Ethiopian in there. He's a Jew. He's not a, an official Jew, he's a follower of the God of the Jews, and he's reading through Scripture, and he's reading out loud, which was a standard thing when you're studying, you know, to hear your own voice reading something puts it into your brain a little bit better. So he's rolling by, he's reading Scripture from Isaiah. Holy Spirit's like, Philip, go talk to that dude. Philip runs up, and he hears the guy, and he recognizes what he's reading. He's like, you're reading Isaiah. Philip goes, do you understand what you're reading? And as I shared before, the guy said, how can I understand if there is no one to guide me? And Philip says, well, as it happens, and Philip pops up in the cart, the carriage, whatever it is they're rolling in, and it tells us 
that from that moment in Isaiah, Philip starts sharing the entire scope of the Messiah. The understanding of who and what the Messiah was going to be from, this, from Isaiah all the way through to the life of Jesus Christ. That is a huge chunk of Scripture to try to dissect in drawing somebody to Jesus Christ. And yet, Philip is able to do it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit calls to mind. The Holy Spirit reminds us. The Holy Spirit reminds us of words we've read, words we've heard, things we've sung, things we've said, everything that God has planted in us at a prior moment for good reason. He then, through the Holy Spirit, brings to maturation. He brings active in the moment when we need it. We need to believe that. We need to live that. We need to believe that every... Every message we've heard, every song we've sung, every moment we've gone through, every experience of our life is fodder to be used by the Holy Spirit. You may have gone through things in your life and you're like, I don't know why I had to endure this. I don't know why I had to go through this. I don't know why this happened to me. Until the moment comes when the Holy Spirit brings something from that experience that you can use in that moment. And all of a sudden, that I don't know why becomes, oh, I remember. And in that remembrance, you can share hope or you can share love. You have the opportunity to expand and work for God's kingdom. But none of this is possible unless we become the kind of people who are active in and allow the Holy Spirit to be active in us. Too often, we are people who want to call ourselves Christians when we are an actual, nothing more than a churchgoer. Churchgoer is somebody who wants to meet with God for an hour, hour and a half. If I'm talking two hours, 15 minutes, on a Sunday morning. A Christ follower is one who offers up every moment of their life to the Father. As a person who says, Father, here I am, send me. Do with me what you will. Send me where you will. Help me to be faithful and obedient. And in those moments when you go, when you're faithful, when he sends, when he calls you to this, that, or the other, he will tell you what to say. He will give you the words. But, wait a second, there is a small exception. And as far as I know, there's not really a good way Anybody ever taken a test? Okay, nobody said anything. I'm going to assume everybody in this room has taken a test. Anybody ever taken a test you didn't prepare for? Okay, now I know why you're being quiet. Have you ever had that moment 
during the test, you realize just how unprepared you are. You are praying to God to put information into your head that is not there. I've done it. That's like 60% of my college career. Dear God, please tell me what the answer to this is because I don't know. Well, you don't know because you've never seen that information. Because there was a book where that information lived and you ignored that book. Or you thought you could get that information by, by driving to class trying to read the chapter summaries. Yeah, just me. Okay. The Holy Spirit cannot bring to mind that which is not in the mind. Psalm 119, verse 1. No, 119, verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have stored up your word in my heart. I have read your word. I have read your word more than once. I have read the word repeatedly. I have studied the word. I have attempted to commit parts of this word to my memory. I, as a person of God's word, try to know the word. And in those moments when the word is needed, it's already in there. So the Holy Spirit can bring it to mind. The Holy Spirit can remind me of what I've read, of what I've seen, of what I've studied, of what I've memorized. You can't share what you do not know. And there may come a moment when you find the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Opportunity presents itself. It may be something as obvious as somebody says, what is the deal with this whole Jesus thing? Door is wide open. They are waiting for you to say something, and you are dumbstruck because you don't know the word. And in that moment, you're looking for the Holy Spirit to bring to mind something that's not in there. The word should be the bedrock upon which we build our lives and our faith. We are not in the Word. The Word is not in us. If the Word is not in us, the Word cannot be brought to mind to be used at appropriate times. And we miss those opportunities. And it says, I commit your Word to my heart so that I don't sin against you. Sometimes we need that Word in us because the Holy Spirit brings the Word to mind to keep us from making horrible decisions from doing something we should know better than to do. And because the Word is not in us, the Holy Spirit cannot remind us, hey, you don't want to do that thing. If you read, you would know better than to do that. If you read, you would have the words. I can remind you of, of just what to say in this moment to this person at this time. But the Word is not in you, and it cannot remind you and you are left to your own devices, and you miss an opportunity. If you 
are people of Jesus. We should be people of the Word. And if we are people of the Word, we should be committed to the Word and making it part of our lives, part of who we are, so that in the moments the Holy Spirit can bring us to mind. And in doing so, expand the scope of God's kingdom. Because when we expand the scope of God's kingdom, every person we share the good news with is one more person entering into God's kingdom. It's one more person saved from the clutches of the enemy. It's one more person that at the final judgment we will be able to look at and say, I'm so glad you are here with me. And one more person who will be able to say, I am so glad you are faithful to share what the Holy Spirit has to share. That is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. But it only happens if we are faithful to the Holy Spirit, we are obedient to the Holy Spirit, and we have the raw material for the Holy Spirit to use already planted in our lives. And I so much want that for you. I know what is to live as a church member. I know what it's like to live as a church goer. And I know what it's like to live as one who finds the power in the Holy Spirit. And that is what I want for each and every one of us, but I can't want it for you more than you want it for yourself. And that's the challenge I leave with you this morning. As you go from this place, in the days, the weeks, the months to come, who will you be? Will you be a person of the Word? Will you be a person empowered by the Holy Spirit? Or will you be the person of the church? that hour and a half on Sunday mornings. Bow with me your heads with me as we close in prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness and your kindness, your patience and your presence and your power. Father, I pray that each of us would to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit that we would be people who are motivated, who are prompted, who are energized by the Holy Spirit, who are constantly looking for what the Holy Spirit is doing and where it's at work and trying to find a way to join the Holy Spirit in that moment. Help us to find our focus on you and what you're doing and not in ourselves. And in that, we become our better selves. We become people of the kingdom. And we welcome those opportunities to draw others into the kingdom as well. Father, I pray as we go from this place, you be working our minds. If there was something we said this morning that, that pricked us to the core, some moment of conviction. I pray, Father, we would not dismiss it or ignore it. But when we come to you, when we come to you and say, what would you have me to do? And that we would then be people who are faithful to you. Help us, Father, to bring the raw material of the Word into ourselves, that you may use it, you may call upon it when it's needed. 
that we have all we need for the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. One more song.
share worship with you. 